When a kid tells you that they're transgender, believe them. So apparently now in the United States, it's a death sentence to even fly the pride flag. I would still never set foot in a men's restroom ever again. Hey everyone, I'm Brad Palumbo and welcome back to Damage Control, my podcast where we're reclaiming the LGBT community from the insane leftists who have taken it over. Today, we're talking about a horrifying hate crime that sparked a vicious culture war, a library that kicked out transcritical speakers, woke TikToks, and so much more. If you're new here, settle in, hit that like button, comment, subscribe, yada yada yada. And if you support the show, remember to drop your comment and leave a super thanks of $5 or more, and I will read your comment at the end of next week's show. Thanks to everybody who donated, I will read your comments at the end of today's episode. Alright, let's get into it. Up first, a disturbing story of a California woman who was allegedly murdered for flying a pride flag at her workplace. Take a listen. Again tonight with this new information, the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office has identified a suspected killer. This is breaking news tonight at 6 o'clock. This suspected killer allegedly shot and killed a California clothing store owner for displaying a pride flag right outside her business. Magpie is the name of the business. Investigators say 27-year-old Travis Ikaguchi made disparaging remarks about the pride flag in front of Laura Ann Carlton's Cedar Glen store before he opened fire. Deputies later found Ikaguchi several miles from the business where they fatally shot him after he refused orders to drop his weapon. Carlton was a married mother of nine children. Yeah, she's somebody, according to the LA Times and other reporting, that was very um, outspoken uh, mm -hmm. for her advocacy and allyship mm -hmm. for the LGBTQ community. Um, so much so that some people had warned her in the neighborhood about that flag and it might draw negative attention to her, but she believed in it, believed in the message. And now her family getting support from Governor Gavin Newsom and a lot of different folks all up and down the state. So look, based on the facts as we know them now, this is a horrifying tragedy. It's an attack on pluralism. It's an attack on free speech. It's an attack on true tolerance. It's an attack on American values, where we're supposed to be able to live side by side, live and let live, and disagree peaceably. But there's more to this story, and unfortunately, it's already being weaponized by hyperpartisans to attack their political opponents. Here's more information from the fallout. Since her death on Friday, people have been dropping by her store, leaving flowers and also pride flags in defiance. People tell us she was a ray of sunshine. In fact, the sign in her door reads, peace begins with a smile. She's also being remembered as an ally of the LGBTQ community. This is the most idiotic, stupid thing that ever, anybody has ever done. A heartbroken former employee of Lori Carlton is trying to make sense of the senseless. The 66-year-old mother of nine was gunned down, deputies say, over a dispute about the pride flag outside her Cedar Glen store. They think that by killing a very sweet and giving and loving woman who did nothing wrong to anybody <clears throat> but only supported everybody in need in her life, by killing that, they're somehow going to make America great again. Well, <clears throat> when you believe that, America has no chance of ever being great again. 
The Sheriff's Department says this man, Travis Ikaguchi, was the killer. His posts on social media include this one of a burning rainbow flag. Investigators determined prior to the shooting that Ikaguchi tore down a pride or rainbow flag that was hanging in front of the Magpie store and yelled many homophobic slurs toward Carlton. You'd think that we could just condemn this tragedy, mourn Laura's loss, and move on as a society. But in 2023, you would be wrong. A really grotesque social media blame game ensued in the aftermath of this tragedy, where people were trying to blame Laura's death on all Republicans or specific conservative commentators who they say are anti-LGBT, like Matt Walsh, who the shooter may have followed, and others used it to spin really dishonest and inaccurate narratives about the state of the LGBT community in America today. For example, let me read you a tweet from The Office actor Rain Wilson. He writes, This is why we need to stand up with our LGBTQ friends at all costs. The atmosphere of hate and violence, fueled by political rhetoric, is literally killing people. Similarly, actor George Takai writes that this is the result of the hate they spew. An innocent woman, a gentle and loving soul, has lost her life. My heart aches for her family in the wake of this horrific murder. These, those responsible go beyond the murderer. Every anti-LGBTQ politician, bigoted pundit, and right-wing hate monger has Laura Carlton's blood on their hands. These are just a few of many social media posts attempting to shift the blame from the shooter to broadly people who are critical or are anti-LGBTQ in the eyes of progressives. And I hate this so much, it's hard for me to even put it into words. They might not realize it, but in weaponizing this tragedy and trying to blame their political opponents, they're literally letting the shooter off the hook. You're saying that it's actually the fault of other people for words they said, even though they never told them to do anything like this. No, and you can't find any clip of Matt Walsh saying people should go shoot someone who flies a pride flag. Doesn't exist. They're saying still, though, that the Matt Walshes and Ron DeSantis's of the world, who they view as anti-LGBT, rightly or wrongly, that's their opinion, are partly to blame for this, have blood on their hands. Well, if they're partly to blame for this, that means the shooter isn't 100% responsible. You're divorcing from him the full blame of his actions when it was him and him alone who committed this atrocity. Millions of other people saw Matt Walsh's tweets or heard Ron DeSantis' speeches and didn't go out and commit any unhinged evil crimes. This disturbed man chose to do this. He and he alone is responsible for that choice, and they don't realize it, but in trying to shift blame to people on the right, they are literally shifting it away from the actual criminal and making excuses for a sick murderer, shifting the blame onto other people. I find that really gross. And this whole thing is such a destructive mindset, right? Because they would never want this standard applied to their side. For example, a few years back, an unhinged Bernie Sanders supporter tried to assassinate multiple Republican politicians, including Steve Scalise and Rand Paul, when he went and shot up the congressional baseball game training they were having. To be clear, that was in no way, shape, or form Bernie Sanders' fault, or Democrats' fault more broadly. Even though they have harshly demonized Republicans as wanting to take away people's health care, as wanting to 
uh, enact policies that will kill people or are policy violence, all sorts of radical things they've said about Republicans. And yet, they've never advocated for direct violence against these people, so they're not responsible when a lunatic fan out there goes and commits some. But the twisted standard that progressives are using to pin the actions of one evil shooter onto people on the right more broadly, exactly that same standard, if applied to their own side, would mean that many Democratic politicians have blood on their hands. Do you see why I think it's so defeatist and dishonest to play this game at all? There's also a narrative being spun, particularly on TikTok, that suggests that this is, shows how dangerous America is now for the LGBT community. So apparently now in the United States, it's a death sentence to even fly the pride flag. Being an ally to the LGBTQ plus community in America could cost you your life. Nope. We live in a country of 330 million people, a vast and diverse country with horrible and amazing things happening every day in all across different parts of this nation. There are always, always going to be, no matter how much progress we make as a society, horrifying, disturbing, and anecdotes that pull at the heartstrings. They are real, yes, but they don't actually tell us anything about trends overall or the state of America. It is not fact-based to extrapolate about trends in a country or crime trends based on one anecdote without any data, ever, no matter which side is doing it. So it's really disheartening to see progressive TikTokers using this to scare people when they're not actually tethered to the facts. But my heart goes out to Laura Carlton's family, and this is just such a tragedy. I just hope we can continue to progress as a nation and move towards more tolerance and learning how to disagree peacefully while living together side by side. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want the government or big corporations creeping on my browsing history or my search history. I also want to access content from around the world and not be throttled based on my location. That's why I use Atlas VPN. You can join me and protect your privacy and get many other benefits by going and using the link in the description below to sign up for Atlas VPN Premium. Summer deal, available for a limited time, is the ridiculously low price of just $1.83 a month with three months extra thrown in and a 30-day money-back guarantee. This is the best VPN deal on the market. It not only protects your privacy, but also helps stop ads and malware and notifies you when someone's trying to steal your data. It also protects an unlimited number of devices and can help you get the best deals on your subscriptions. If you want to help support me and the work I'm doing here on Damage Control, go to the link in the description below and sign up for Atlas VPN. You'll be glad you did. All right, well, up next... Brazil just enacted disturbing hate speech laws that crack down on speech against the LGBT community, and some progressive commentators and media are cheering this kind of Orwellian development. In a 9-to-1 ruling, Brazil's Supreme Court has ruled that homophobic hate speech is now punishable by prison. The ruling puts homophobic hate speech at the same legal level as racist hate speech, which was already punishable by prison in the country. This comes the same week as we got news that a woman in California was murdered because she displayed a pride flag. And yet police and the local police department have said that they're not sure if they can categorize that crime as a hate crime. When you don't categorize hate for what it is, it allows it to spread. So, as you noticed with that TikToker, she seems to be suggesting that this is somehow a sign that Brazil is more sophisticated or advanced than the United States. It's actually the opposite. But she wasn't alone. Pink News, the left-wing LGBTQ media outlet, called this 
fantastic news in a tweet thread reporting on the news and heralding it as a positive development. Nope, not great news. It's actually kind of insane and Orwellian. Look, I'm a gay man, and obviously I think homophobia is wrong. But I don't want to live in a world where the government is locking people up for the things they say. No social justice cause is important enough to set that kind of precedent or enable that kind of government overreach. Who gets to decide what's hateful anyway, or what's anti-LGBTQ, or what's homophobic? Because it seems like those words are entirely subjective, and frankly, just about everything gets labeled as some form of bigoted now when progressives suddenly decide they no longer agree with it. I've literally seen people argue that the fact that I wouldn't date somebody who has a vagina is transphobic. Should I go to jail for just saying that now on my YouTube channel, on my podcast? Apparently, Pink News thinks so, and, and some other progressives are on board with this. I just find it batshit insane, to be honest, and, and find it really disturbing that anyone who calls themselves progressive or liberal would ever support something like this. It's so short-sighted, too, because when you actually fail to protect minority viewpoints or dissident speech in a society, that's actually not a progressive outcome at all. To understand why, just go back and look at the history of the gay rights movement. I mean, the initial people advocating for gay rights were viewed as fringe and radical, as hateful or extreme by the most of society. If they had been locked up or imprisoned for speaking out, we would not have had the progress and the widespread acceptance of LGBT that we have today. But this time, they're 100% sure they're right about everything, so we can go ahead and lock up the bad people with the bad ideas and the bad speech. Sorry, but count me and any sane-thinking LGBT person out of this insane movement. Up next, a public library in California kicked out and interrupted speakers who were critical of transgender athletes in women's sports because they didn't like the way they were talking about the issue. Check out this video from the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression for more analysis on this situation. I asked you to leave earlier, so I, I still I still follow an issue with that. No. Okay. Well, so, you were misgendering. Hi, I'm Aaron Turr. I'm the director of public advocacy at FIRE. Today, we're going to review footage from an incident that took place at the Yolo County Library in California on August 20th. Allowing biological men in women's sports does not create an equal playing field, but instead robs young biological girls of their athletic aspirations. When I played college soccer, when I played college soccer my freshman year, this is blatant viewpoint-based censorship by the Yolo County Library Manager, and it violates the First Amendment. When the government creates space for the public to engage in expressive activity, it can't then restrict access to that space based on the views of the speaker. And that's exactly what happened here. The Yolo County Library made this meeting room available for community groups to use to host their own events. But when speakers at this Moms for Liberty event about transgender women and sports used language and expressed viewpoints that the library manager and certain audience members disapproved of, the library manager kicked them out of the library and ultimately shut down the event. The library manager's actions violated the speaker's constitutional rights. And they're disturbing to see at a public institution that should be committed to hosting a range of ideas and perspectives and making its resources available to everyone, regardless of their viewpoints or beliefs. 
The Yolo County Library must commit to meeting its First Amendment obligations going forward. So maybe I missed it in other parts of the video, but referring to a transgender woman athlete as biologically male is not misgendering. It's simply stating a fact. But even if they were misgendering, it, it really doesn't matter. I mean, that's part of free speech, whether you like it or not. And a public library is a government-run institution. It's funded by our tax dollars that are collected from us by force, and so it has to be open to the public, and it can't favor some ideas over others or silence some speakers while promoting others. The library doesn't have to rent out its rooms or serve as a forum for public events, but if it does choose to do that, it absolutely must allow everyone across the political spectrum to participate. That's what the First Amendment demands, and I hope they sue their ass on this one, because I think they will absolutely win. And frankly, even progressives and liberals or trans rights activists should want that outcome. Because think about it flipped, right? If you are a progressive or a liberal, do you want libraries that are public libraries run by the government in localities where Republicans control the government do you want them to be able to throw out pro-abortion or Planned Parenthood events or block those speakers? Or to stay on this specific issue, do you want them to be able to block pro-trans advocacy in public forums and government events? Obviously, you don't want that. It really shouldn't be that hard to stay consistent, to support the same rights and freedoms for others that you want for yourself and your own side. But more and more, it seems like many people in this country are just failing to do that. And they want the best of both worlds. They want to silence their critics and suppress their political opponents while enjoying robust freedom of speech and protections for their side, for the good guys. But it doesn't work like that, and it never will. All right, now for everybody's favorite part of the show, where I subject myself to woke LGBT TikToks and try my best not to lose too many brain cells. Up first, did you know your four-year-old might be trans? Yeah, let's take a listen. When a kid tells you that they're transgender, believe them. A lot of people will say that it's impossible for a four-year-old to know if they're trans or not, but actually that's not true. They can know, and here's why. From day one, gender is baked into everything we do. You either have a boy name or a girl name, boy toys or girl toys, boy clothes or girl clothes. So from an early age, kids understand the difference between boy and girl, and more importantly, which one they're expected to be. So it makes sense that if what they feel inside is different than what they're expected to be, that they might feel uncomfortable and they might want to talk about that discomfort. And we all know that kids are good at talking about how they feel. For example, mommy, I skinned my knee, mommy, someone called me a name on the playground, or even mommy, I don't like wearing boy clothes. These are all similar feelings of discomfort that we can talk about to our parents. That's not to say that all kids will realize they're transgender when they're little. A lot don't. I didn't until I was 27, but I can't tell you how many people I've met that knew they were trans at four or five years old. So if there's a kid in your life who's telling you they're trans, please believe them. They know what they're talking about and your support might save their life. Yeah, uh, sorry, but this is insane. In no other area would we be expected to just believe what a four-year-old says and take it as gospel. Anyone who's worked or been around young children or has young children knows that they often say stuff that isn't true and they have wild imaginations. And they do not, in fact, have a fully developed sense of self-identity by age four. It is impossible for a four-year-old to know conclusively that they are transgender. They don't even understand concepts like gender or sex fully 
at such a young age. Now, it is absolutely true that some people who grow up to be transgender can think back and remember experiencing gender dysphoria, an intense discomfort with their biological sex, way back from when they were very young. I've had Blair White on this podcast, a transgender YouTuber, and she says she can remember feeling like a girl as young as five years old. But she definitely didn't have it all figured out at that young age and didn't for many more years. The same way that as a gay person, I can remember back to being five or six and having crushes on boys at soccer camp. But I didn't really come to grips or fully understand my sexuality until I was closer to 20 than four. And this does not mean, which this activist is surely implying, that children, young children and minors can consent to medically transitioning which starts as young as 11 or 12 when puberty blockers are given. Because informed consent in medicine requires that people are able to understand the consequences, the risks and benefits of the medical treatment that they are getting. And I'm sorry, but an 11-year-old cannot understand what it means that they may be sexually infertile later in life. A minor simply can't weigh those risks, and also, they might grow out of it. Many, many gender-confused youth, after going through puberty with their birth sex, end up resolving their gender dysphoria and no longer feeling that discomfort. Many come to realize that they are gender non-conforming in that they are gay or lesbian, and that's perfectly fine but they no longer experience discomfort with their biological sex, and for them to have transitioned would have been a travesty. Yet if you put them on a lifelong path to medicalization starting as young as 11 or 12, that will never happen. That, that will never resolve. Of course, I absolutely do believe that anyone who reaches adulthood and still experiences diagnosed gender dysphoria should be legally free to transition however they want. But stop gaslighting us that four-year-olds can understand transgenderism or that minors can consent to life-altering sex changes. We're not buying it. All right, up next, this trans TikToker is arguing that trans women should be allowed to use the women's bathroom. Let's hear what she had to say. Aside from the fact that trans women are not a threat to other women in the bathroom, it is equally unsafe for both trans women and cisgender women alike to go in a men's restroom. See, men don't want me in the bathroom looking like this. They want me to go back to being a man and they're gonna take any opportunity they can to antagonize a trans woman in an attempt to convince her to be a man. So the second a trans woman sets foot in a men's bathroom, she is unsafe. The second any woman sets foot in a men's bathroom, she's not safe. The majority of women understand this. Out of the thousands of bathrooms I've been in, I've only had an issue two times. And despite what happened in both of those times, I would still never set foot in a men's restroom ever again. So some of my audience might disagree or be surprised by this, but I don't entirely disagree with this person. Firstly, I think whoever owns the bathroom should be able to set whatever rules they want for who goes in what bathroom. So if it's a private business, they should be able to have trans people allowed to use the bathroom or have bathrooms where everyone has to go according to their birth sex. But if it was me doing it, and in public buildings, government buildings, I absolutely do think that bathrooms should be open to transgender adults who have actually transitioned and legally changed their gender. I do have sympathy for women who feel unsafe or uncomfortable with this concept, but I'm not sure that fear is really rooted in reality. It's not that violent incidents or assaults never happen in bathrooms. They do, although they are rare, 
It's that anyone who would commit an assault or an abuse in the women's room wouldn't be deterred by rules stating they're not allowed in that bathroom. So you would just be punishing all the law-abiding trans people who are no threat to women at all out there. I also think it creates other problems to have a fully transitioned transgender woman who passes as a woman forced legally to go to the men's room. Now that would be awkward and uncomfortable and try explaining that to a kid. I do get that this is a complicated discussion, but I also feel like it's made into a much bigger issue than it needs to be. It's become a culture war flashpoint, trans bathrooms and bathroom bills and all this, but for a long time before any of this was talked about, trans people were out there and used the bathroom of their preferred identity for a long time, and in almost every incident, it happened without any, you know, serious consequences and just went off without being noticed. So that's my take. But let me know what you think in the comments. If you think I'm wrong, if you want to disagree with me, let me know. I want to hear you out. All right, that's it for Woke TikToks today. And now, before we go, let's read the super chats from last week that generous people donated to leave to support the show. Terry says, thanks for encouraging intelligent and thought-provoking discussion and debate on these issues. No, thank you for listening and for your support. But yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do is, you know, not have some woke show on these issues. There's more than enough of that, but also not have some far right take on all these issues. I've got a nuanced middle of, the middle of the ground approach and I think a lot of people are resonating with that. Let's Live in Reality says, thank you for your podcast. I love your discussion and your guests. I found Kaya's perspective as an ex-non-binary very interesting and important. Question, are you going to have Buck Angel on your podcast? Because he is amazing. Yeah, I think Buck is a cool guy and I am planning on having him on the podcast at some point. So stay tuned for that. Ken says, as an old gay activist, I am saddened that current activists have hijacked our movement. The new angry, narcissistic, and selfish transgender and non-binary activists trying to force their beliefs on others are infuriating. Yeah, look, I agree. And I, I think that some people in those communities are, are doing a lot of harm and setting back progress. Finally, HW436 says, people who can have reasonable, nuanced conversations about contentious topics should be supported. Well, thank you all for your support. And if you guys like this show, you like this episode, please leave a super thanks of $5 or more and let me know your thoughts, your message, and I'll read it on next week's show. Thanks so much for watching. If you are new here, consider subscribing, checking out my videos, my channel, maybe even turning on those bell notifications, like, comment, yada, yada, yada. And I'll see you all next week.